everybody, and welcome back. It's episode 94 of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. Hi, my name is Dustin, and here's normally the part where you would hear the lovely Lakeisha's voice introducing herself to the podcast, but as we uh, mentioned on last week's episode about Spider-Man Far From Home, I mentioned that I might be doing a solo one as uh, Lakeisha is not in, not in town, not in state actually, and so... And I went and saw a movie that uh, she probably wouldn't have seen anyway. Uh, as we've mentioned on the show before, not much into, into the horror stuff as I am. And this week, I'm doing an episode, solo episode on the two-and-a-half-hour horror weirdness that was Midsommar, uh, directed by Ari Aster, who did Hereditary, if you've ever seen that. So you kind of might, if you have, you have an idea of what you might be on for. Uh, so that movie, you know, was, uh, it was something I didn't know what to expect. Just like, I don't know what doing this alone is going to be like. Uh, so anyway, here we go. Uh, and of course, as we do on every episode before we talk movies, we talk beer and I have one here myself. Um, when I went and saw Midsommar, I just had a soda and popcorn and I feel that might've been a mistake. I think maybe I needed an, a, an adult beverage while watching that. So I'm definitely having one while doing this. Um, from Backwoods Brewing, I am having their Mosaic Pale Ale, uh, the rare non-IPA uh, on the podcast. Backwoods Brewing, I think we've talked about them before, established in 2012 in uh, Carson, Washington. Though they do now have a pub here in Portland, Oregon. We haven't been able to check them out yet, uh, the place itself. Uh, but I've had their beer before. It's pretty good. The Mosaic Pale Ale... Um, is made, as uh, the title suggests, with my favorite type of hops, mosaic hops. Uh, their website describes it as having a delightful floral aroma and tropical notes of tangerine, papaya, and pineapple, light-bodied, and as they say, super crushable, which I guess means uh, is like easy drinking, maybe. Anyway, 50 IBUs and 4.7% alcohol, alcohol by volume, which makes it one of the lightest beers I think we've ever covered. And it's pretty decent. I mean, pale ales are usually taste a little too watery for me, typically. And that is not the case with this. This has about as much as as much a bite to it as kind of a, a mainstream IPA would be, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know that I would call it crushable. There's an aftertaste that makes it me not want to just, you know, knock it all back. But a very solid, one of the better just straight pale ales I've had in quite a while. Um, so yeah, uh, the Mosaic Pale from Backwoods Brewing, uh, I suggested, I think I picked this out because I wanted to do something, uh, maybe a little thematic, you know, a good summer beer to go with this summer set horror movie that I, that I've watched in the dead of summer. Uh, and so yeah, this is a good, uh, this uh, Pale Ales are usually good for that. And I think this would be good for that as well. Uh, if you have, if you need a, a good Easy drinking beer, somewhat easy drinking beer for the summertime. Okay, and with that out of the way, uh, let's get to uh, the movie Midsommar. Now, um, this past weekend I spent it hanging out with some old friends of mine, Chris and Travis. Uh, Travis, just having a birthday, happy birthday man. And they were interested in this movie uh, when I told them I had seen it. Uh, of course, their first question was, so did you like it? My answer to them was, yes, uh, I think so. Uh, here's the thing. 
first of all, two and a half hours, that's, that's a lot. And it is a lot. And it is just so weird. Um, I said, so yeah, I, I liked it. I will say that I like it. Do I ever want to see it again? I think likely not. And that's just because it's just so much. Um, I am going to try to give a summary, uh, plot description of what Midsommar is about. Um, it starts off with, uh, like the two lead characters. There's like, they're a couple Boyfriend, girlfriend, couple, a Danny played by an actress named Florence Pugh, uh, who was quite good in this. Uh, her boyfriend, Christian, played by an actor named Jack Raynor. Uh, I can never remember, every time I was like writing up this episode, I never remember uh, Christian, the character's name, Christian. I just started referring to him as a lame boyfriend, because he is very much a lame boyfriend to Danny. Not that she is any great shakes as a as a significant other either. But uh, Jack Raynor also looks to me like a bit of a... look. He looks like discount Chris Pratt to me. Um, but, you know, I, he probably was supposed to play a lame boyfriend and uh, nailed it. So anyway, it starts off, you meet these uh, couple over the course of a couple of phone calls. They share. Uh, Danny is worried about her family. Uh, an email from her sister has her concerned. She calls her boyfriend to tell him about it. He immediately shits on her sister who apparently is also bipolar, so, you know, empathy. And uh, anyway, you just get the real sense that this is a couple that does not need to be together anymore. They're not good for each other. She's very dependent on him. Are they codependent? I mean, probably. Um, he's hanging out with his friends during this phone call. They make it clear to him that we look, uh, you guys probably, you know, they, they see what's going on here. And in a movie a horror movie in which there is some really gruesome graphic violence and disgusting stuff. The most uncomfortable I probably felt in the movie was this relationship stuff. Cause it was just, I think we've all been there. We've had a friend, uh, you know, or friends who have been together and you just know it's not working out. They're just staying together just because, and I don't know, it just was very uncomfortable. The two of them, when they spoke to each other a lot of the time, so anyway, you get that sense. He's actually maybe considering that his friends might have a point. Maybe it's timed in this. And then something very tragic happens. Uh, Danny uh, suffers a horrible, horrible loss. And the next thing you know, he is on her couch holding her as she is just wailing in despair. And now uh, nobody's breaking up with anybody. Uh, you fast forward to the following summer. Because even though this is called Midsommar, that opening thing sequence takes place in the dead of winter. Uh, next summer, though, uh, one of uh, Lame Boyfriend's buddies, a, a Swedish um, student studying abroad, and these are all college-age people, I think grad students for the most part, and uh, he's invited uh, his friends all to come back home with him this summer for this festival that the community he grew up with uh, puts on every so often. I forget how, long, how often they say they put it on, um, but it's like not every year. It's a big deal. It's supposed to be a big deal. Um, and, uh, lame boyfriend, uh, has decided to go on to this, but hasn't told, uh, Danny this, uh, it, that turns into another uncomfortable scene where he, and then he essentially invites her along because he feels guilty thinking that she'll decline, but she doesn't. And so they all go together, all his, but all his buddies clearly happy about that development, get to Sweden, 
and they go uh, and uh, the community where this their friend grew up in, like someone describes it as, isn't it kind of like a hippie commune? And that's kind of what it looks like. But um, when you get there, it's a very small, insular, rural uh, community. And I don't know that cult is maybe the right word. But from here on, I'm going to refer them to them as the cult. All right? They're the cult. They get to where the Swedish cult exists. And weirdness and drug taking and hallucinations and grotesque violence happens. Uh, and yeah. And it's uh, all about uh, you know who who makes it out and uh, and then that's and that's where we'll get into what the rest of the podcast is. All right, I've come up with my three favorite things as I don't I, mean, I don't I don't know that they're my favorite things, but they're maybe the most interesting things to me uh, in this movie. I'll share them with you uh, right now. And normally, Lakeisha and I, of course, would go back and forth, but you just give me this week. So here, no, number one, one of my favorite things about this movie. Uh, one of the supporting uh, characters, uh, William Jackson Harper, uh, the actor, plays the supporting character of Josh, one of Lane Boyfriend's buddies. Um, William Jackson Harper, if you don't know who he is, uh, you might recognize him, or you probably would. Um, he's most known for playing the character Cheaty on the TV series The Good Place, uh, one of our favorites. That show is so smart and so good, and he's great, and he's very different in that than he is in this. Um I liked him a lot in this movie, even though he's not in it a ton. I really wish they he had more to do. I mean, most everyone else in this movie is uh, either some sort of damaged person or just a bad person or a jerk or an insane cult member. Uh, he's like the only like realistic, responsible adult in the whole thing. Um, and so I really liked the scenes he was in because in a movie that turns very trippy and weird um having at least one of your characters be like a really like a realistically grounded person uh i mean i felt i identified him with him more than anybody else and he's really good he's really solid uh his character is you know he's trying to be a good friend but he's also on this trip not just to go party like essentially the other guys are he is working on his thesis uh which is gonna be on uh like summer festivals and various cultures um and so he's very interested to to witness this and uh you know do and do some research for his thesis and it's really and it's where the audience gains a lot of information about how this community works what their what their rituals are for what they're about as he is asking kind of like the elders or their friend, uh, the student who invited them, Pele. Pele. It's P-E-L-E is how you spell his name. You know, asking them questions about what it was like living here, growing up, the ceremonies, the rituals, etc. So you get a lot of information from that discourse that that Josh has with uh, the elders. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's another version, I feel, of this movie where he'd be great as just the lead who is trying to escape, uh, you know, from the, these culty Swedes. You know, but they didn't. But uh, that's not what he is in this. Uh, spoiler alert, I should also say, you know, big spoiler alert on our podcast. We don't care about your tender spoiler feel- feelings. Um, but, you know, it doesn't end well uh, for Josh. He doesn't make it out. Uh, insert your jokes about, the, you know, um, uh, black people in horror movies because they apply. Um, he does... I mean, for, for all my talk of him being a good, responsible person, he does do something he shouldn't do, 
right before he dies, um, he asks one of the elders if he could take uh, some pictures of like the sacred book that they have. And they have a series of sacred books. And uh, they very vehemently say, no, that was incredibly improper. How dare you even ask? So he goes to bed that night with his shoes on and gets up in the middle of the night, even though it's not night, because this is like a midnight sun, Alaska situation where they're far enough north at night, it doesn't go down in the, the sun doesn't go down in the summertime. Um, and sneaks into uh, the building where he had been speaking with the elder before and starts taking pictures with his phone of this sacred tome. And then uh, a scene that is obviously an homage to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre happens in which he is killed uh, with a big hammer. So if you've seen OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, yeah, first favorite thing, William Jackson Harper. Uh, I hope this leads to other movie roles for him because, you know, The Good Place is ending. It's got one season left, and so cheaty uh, not to be part of our lives in much longer. All right, number two. Number two, um, the dreamy, druggy, bright visual style uh, that this movie has once everything gets to to Sweden. Now, many of the characters in this movie end up taking uh, drugs, like primarily hallucinatory drugs. And the way that this movie was filmed, specifically the last half to two-thirds of it when they get to Sweden, made me wonder if maybe I was on drugs too while I was watching it. It is... Uh, it's so dreamy. I almost want to say fever dream, but that's not quite right. Everything has this glow, this golden glow, and a uh, shimmer to it once they're there. Uh, pulsating colors, and not just colors. Um, there's a scene where Danny uh, participates in this uh, ritual, which is essentially like a dance contest. These women dance around a maypole after drinking something that is has drugs in it. <laughs> and uh, essentially the last... Well, woman standing gets uh, crowned the May Queen for this festival, and she wins. And they put this crown of flowers on her head, and there are some like bulbs, maybe look like a couple of like rose type flowers, like roses. And the bulbs of those roses open and close and pulsate. And I think it was meant to do it to the to her the same speed as her breathing. And it's just so trippy. It's like really kind of a small effect that they do in the movie. But once I noticed it, I couldn't stop looking at the, the flowers just pulsing on top of her head. And they're at this, they have many like ornate um, formal dinners at this crazy um, table outside where everybody sits together. And at one point they have this big thing of meat that's just pulsating on the table. And everything is just kind of foggy at the edges. I'm probably doing a horrible idea of describing this but just the visual style once they get to sweden and start taking all the drugs it just gets so i mean i haven't really stopped thinking about it just how it looks it's so interestingly filmed i mean for a i mean horror movies typically you know they happen at night right they're set at night or at least in some place where it's dark because you know it's, it's scarier you know it, things jump out at you at the dark or maybe you're also trying to cover up you know the hide the, the rough edges around your special effects or what have you. But this movie is a horror movie that is filmed almost entirely in the bright damn sunshine. And for a movie that does have some really gruesome imagery, it is also quite beautiful just to look at. So that's my second favorite thing, just how trippy and just weirdly dreamy it all looked uh, once they got to Sweden. 
Which leads me to my last favorite thing. And I don't even know if this is a favorite, but I just have to, I have to include it because it's probably the scene that if you read stuff about uh, this movie, uh, you'll see it referenced or mentioned. I just have in my notes here in bold and for this uh, in capitalized letters, that scene. And uh, so again, spoiler alert, but also uh, adult content alert for what I'm about to describe. And why I'm saying this, uh, telling you about this particular scene, is as I was uh, explaining the movie to my friend Chris over the weekend, once I got to this part, you know, and this movie is not a comedy, you know, it's this serious, you know, weird but serious movie, I got to this part and I couldn't stop laughing when I was telling, describing it to him. I will try to compose myself better. Okay, so lame boyfriend, um, at one point in the movie, he ends up sleeping with another woman. Now, that woman, uh, this red-haired um, villager whose name escapes me, I don't even know they even say her name. No, surely they say her name in the movie. Um, but she kind of, after they get there, like day two of the festival, she kind of targets him. And I mean that word intentionally, because um, that's what it comes across as. She targets him, starts flirting with him, does stuff to his food that I'm not going to describe because it's super gross. And, um, and it's, but it's all part of a larger plan. Like the whole, you find, you essentially realize later on that the whole community is in on this, on getting them together. There's even a scene where he meets with one of the elders and is told in no uncertain terms that they're cool with him breeding with her. Thumbs up, got the approval. And he tries to play it off like, what, who? I don't, I don't know who, I haven't noticed that girl. Who is she? And you're like, yeah, whatever. Um, so anyway, it's, you know, it's something that happens, you know, little things here and there as she kind of tries to flirt with them, get his attention. And then we get to the scene that I already kind of described where Danny is dancing in this uh, May Queen, uh, Maypole dance contest. And uh, everybody is just kind of sitting around the grass watching it happen. And another of the, the Swedish women brings up this glass to him with fluid liquid in it. And at this point, I think, at this point, you're like, Whatever they're eating or drinking, there's drugs in it. Because everybody's tripping like crazy on something <laughs> almost the entire time. Except for Josh, because he's the adult. Um, you know, and he at first declines, like, no, I'm fine. I think I'm good with all that all of that. And just in her voice, just the way she's like, Oh no, is good. Will and I'm not trying to be offensive with the accent. It's just the way the broken English when she described it was just so funny to me. About uh, something about dropping his guard, or I forget. But anyway, he looks over at the redheaded girl, and ultimately takes uh, the the and drinks it, the stuff. And I think it's meant to maybe be like it's acid. You know, no one ever says exactly what it is, but that's kind of what I think it's supposed to be. And anyway, he starts being really twitchy, like really almost paranoid, acting. So Danny wins the contest, and. They just, and they, and now it's time, since she's the May Queen, she's got to go do some stuff where she blesses the crops for the next year. So they put her in this, like, carriage and take her off to go do this bless the crop ceremony. And after she leaves, you see uh, the red-haired girl, and she is making a trail of flower petals from, like, this one building up to the table to where lame boyfriend is sitting. And he turns around and sees her in this trail rail of flowers and she walks back to this building 
And the whole community is just watching with smiles on their faces. And it's clearly they're like, they're in on this. They're like, cool, yes, you want, you know you want to do it, sir. And so eventually he does get up and kind of trembly. He's very trembly after drinking that, whatever that was, acid uh, tea. Um, you know, wanders back to, uh, follows the trail to this uh, building. Uh, opens up the door. And this is the scene right here that I <laughs> that I'm going that I is actually what I'm listing as my third favorite thing just because it's so wow uh, okay so just get ready so it opens up the door and there uh, she is on a bed of flower petals naked uh, laying on her back but also Maya Maya M A J A I think is the character's name and behind her though is another 10 or 12 of the village cult women also completely naked uh singing like kind of they're like in an arc like above like standing a few feet behind uh that her head maya's head and singing arm in arm fully nude and does not deter lame boyfriend although he does seem to find this a bit weird as he kind of trembly stumbles up to the girl Maya starts taking off her clothes, his clothes, because you you know what's gonna happen, and you know he goes and uh, gets on top of her, and they start having sex, and uh, the singing gets louder. He looks around as they're having sex, and it's just clear that wow, man, this is weird, but uh, he's not stopping. Um, at one point, one of the women steps forward. And is like right next to their heads and just like singing into their faces. And he like jumps back in surprise like, wow, that's super weird. But I'm not going to stop having sex with this woman. That's that's would be insane, I guess. And um, the singing starts, they are, they're not using words. It's kind of a, a um, there's no lyrics. Uh, but they also, there's making them, they start, their singing starts t- taking on the, the sounds of the, the Maya's, the sounds that Maya's making as they're making love. And it's just, man, it's so just, just weird. And then one of the women cuts around behind them and starts pushing on lame boyfriend's backside, I guess, help? I'm serious. This is what's that. This has been a super serious, occasionally grotesque horror movie. And this wild sex scene happens. And at times, I was covering my mouth, my face. I felt so uncomfortable. I laughed out loud twice um, before it was all over. Um, It's finally done. He splits. He runs out of the building completely naked. So, yeah, there's there's, uh, full frontal male and female nudity for all y'all to enjoy or not. And... uh, but what has also happened is that Danny did see him in there. She did, like, they got back from blessing the crops. She heard the, the, the singing, which sounded a lot like lovemaking, and went over to that building, looked through the keyhole, saw what was going down, and just, you know, just devastated. And, uh, and while Lane Boyfriend is running around naked, he finds the bodies of some of the other people that have been there that have also been murdered. And it's, that's really gross. I won't get into the detail of that, but it's really bad. Um, and then he turns around and someone blows some dust in his face. And, uh, and then he, like, passes out. 
A little while later, they wake him up. They actually have to pull his eyes open, and it's explained to him that uh, whatever they blew in his face makes him incapable of speaking or moving, and he's like in a wheelchair. And that's where kind of the big denouement of the movie is explained, that there are, for this festival, they sacrifice nine lives at the end. Some of them have already died, and they're just going to be burning their bodies uh, as like kind of the final like ritual. Uh, there were earlier in the movie, there was two uh, older members of their community who willingly jumped off a cliff to sacrifice themselves, which was horrifically gross. Um, there was some of the Americans that, and two, an English couple that was also uh, some other community member brought with as friends that they ended up killing, and they're going to burn their bodies. Um, Danny and lame boy friend Josh and the other friends that were on their party are all dead and uh, their bodies are in this barn that they're going to set on fire. Um, the dude who brought the English uh, couple uh, gets to gets gets to be burned alive for as like a reward and he's happy about it. I mean legitimately smiling, looking forward to this being set ablaze thing. Can't wait. Another guy like gets to because I th- I forget why. Also very happy about it. So anyway, they break down how they have eight and they need a ninth. The ninth gets to be decided by the May Queen, who is Danny. Now, oh another thing, just just to make this even weirder. So earlier in the movie, they have a bear in a cage. And one of the other like one of the British the British couple as they walk by it go. So is anybody going to not... We're all going to not say anything about the bear in the cage? And the Swedish people are like, what? This is bear. What do you want us to say? It's just... It's a bear. Um, so you find out what happens to the bear. Um, they... Uh, after they have uh, knocked out and reawoken lame boyfriend, they take him into this... Uh, essentially, like where they butcher things. And you see that the bear is dead. It's clearly a fake bear. In case anyone's worried that they actually harmed a bear. It's clearly a fake bear. And they're, like, showing some kids, this is how you gut the bear. And then they lay Josh on this table. And my mind immediately went to, oh, my God, is this going to be, like, a Braveheart situation where they're going to, they're showing people how to gut a bear, and now they're going to do that to him? No. They gut the bear, they clean out the bear, and they put him inside the bear. as like a bear costume made out of actual bear. So, now we go back to, like, where the, Elders explaining how there are going to be the nine sacrifices. We got eight. The May Queen gets to decide the ninth. And for her decision, they're like, so we have your lame boyfriend, who we've clearly spent a lot of time stuffing into a bear costume made out of actual bear, or this random Swedish person who just said he'd do it. Remember, one of them you saw having an affair with one of our <laughs> the women from our, <laughs> our community. Who is it going to be? Guess who it is. Yeah, they put Lame Boyfriend and his bear costume into this barn, which is just stuffed full of hay, and with two other uh, smiling members of their community who are very happy to apparently be giving their lives for this, an elder goes to the two Swedish guys and offers them some sort of drug for the pain and then just kind of side-eyes Lame Boyfriend and walks out because he doesn't get anything, apparently. And then they light it on fire, and that's essentially how the movie ends. Dude in a bear suit, being burned alive. It's 
a trip. So there. Actually, the scene that happens in the sex scene is the scene I was really looking to describe because just, it's the height of weirdness in this very weird movie. Okay, so you got a little bonus content there as I also went all the way to the end of the film. Uh, normally, we do honorable mentions. Uh, Florence Pugh, who plays Danny, is very good. She, like, when uh, when the tragic thing that happens in the beginning movie just destroys her, her wailing on the couch with her boyfriend is truly, like, man, I felt, I felt it. She, that is some very good uh, horrified sadness uh, in screaming that she was doing. And, uh, you know, she's, well, she's essentially the lead of the movie. There are times where you, you don't really want to root for her because, you know, she's, you just want her to, God, you don't need him. Why are you making excuses for this guy? You're better than this. You know, that, that type of feeling. And that's what she's supposed to be. That's clearly what they wanted that character to be. So she, that fact that I felt that way about her means that she did a good job. Also found out this weekend she's going to be in the Black Widow movie. So that's awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, and the other honorable mention I'll just say is, yeah, when it decides to get gruesome and gross, man, this movie goes to 11 it's two and a half hours long, so they kind of spread out all that kind of the violence or gruesome scenes. But when one comes along, you don't miss it. Man, it is something else. Um, so I think that's all I'll say as far as honorable mentions go. Dislikes. Did I mention it's two and a half hours long? It's two and a half hours. It's too long. Um, apparently, uh, director Ari Aster, who also wrote this weirdness, uh, was had a three-hour version. He just couldn't get it rated R. Like, the ratings board was going to make it NC-17. So they had to cut a bunch more out <laughs> just to get it rated R. Um, so, yeah, but there were definitely times towards the end uh, that I was just looking at my watch. It was like, okay, two and a half hours long, so I got about X amount of time left. Um, and other dislikes. I mean... The, the the guy, the lame boyfriend's friends outside of Josh are kind of one note, you know, weird losers. So you didn't really care what was going to happen to them. Um, and Oh, you know what? I'm going to go back to honorable mentions. The set where they film all the cult stuff. The buildings that they clearly built uh, in this weird community where they have all these ceremonies and rituals are really pretty. It's real again a lot of thought went into this. The costumes, the people of this community are always doing some sort of choreographed chanting and or dancing in the middle of grass fields. Someone had to come up with all that. I I mean the my I mean that he came up clearly with a con he had, he came up with this weird religion and, and that involved all these ceremonies and ritual things and i just i can't fathom how much how long that had to have taken or what inspired it it's really quite incredible um but anyway yeah so that's uh, i'll go back and give like that an honorable mention other unfavorite things um yeah i don't know if i'm gonna say anything else really it's just the length that really bogs it all down um what i do really like though uh about this movie is that it exists at all? Weird stuff like this is in a major, in like in multiplexes, in major uh, cinemas everywhere, uh, and not relegated to just like an art house 
a handful of art house cinemas around the country. I mean, uh, another movie that we saw recently, we went and saw the new Men in Black, Men in Black International. And that is a perfect example of a made-by-committee, middle-of-the-road studio movie. It's boring. It sucks. I mean, a movie that stars uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson and involves aliens shouldn't be boring. But it is. But, you know, it was made, but it's a major major property made by a major studio with major stars and it is in the theater next to me as i'm watching this two and a half hour weird ass art house horror movie so that that happened i'm happy about because there needs i would rather there be more you know chances taken in weirdness like this and in the big american uh cinema chains you don't have to go hunt it down in a art house theater if your town even has one okay so I think that's going to be all I'm going to say about Midsommar. If, you know, if, you're a, if you like the horror stuff, uh, go check it out in a theater. I mean, seeing that weird, dreamy uh, cinematography on the big screen is a must. There's a great little scene where Danny is like high on mushrooms, and she looks down at her hand, and it looks like the grass on the ground is growing through her hand. I thought that was a pretty fun little neat effect. Um, but yeah. Um, if you're interested in all that sort of thing, um, go see it in the theater while you still can. If not, if you're not much of a horror fan, just stay the hell away from this. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, so recommendations. We usually do recommendations, and mine just came to mind because I started watching this today. I'm watching uh, the newest season, uh, season four of Veronica Mars, which is now streaming on Hulu. Season four of Veronica Mars might as well be season one for me because I've never seen any of Veronica Mars. I've always heard that it's really good. Uh, Kristen Bell is the star, and she's very good in, I think, anything I've ever seen her in. So I decided to sit down and give it a try, and like I'm already into episode three. It's smart. It's funny. It's charming. It's way more adult than I thought it was going to be. I thought Veronica Mars was more of a teen show. Maybe it was in the beginning because she's in high school, the character is, when it, during the first season, I guess. But anyway, this but this season four where she's an adult, she's a private investigator. Her dad is also working as a PI with her, and he's I forget that actor's name, but he's very good. But yeah, so far very funny, very entertaining. Uh, I'm definitely gonna finish out watching the rest of this of this season, and maybe even go back and revisit the previous Veronica Marses. So there you go, and so and yeah, Kristen Bell also in the Good Place. So there, uh, there's our tie, uh, the Good Place is the common denominator when I talk about uh, Midsommar. Because why not? It's Everything's weird. All right, and that'll do it for this episode of uh, the Cold Beer and Cool Movie podcast. Next week, uh, uncertain. It might just be me again. Uh, Lakeisha will be back in town, but it will be right getting back in town just before we usually go to record. I'm definitely going to go see the uh, killer alligator creature feature movie that's called Crawl. That's also in cinemas right now. I'm hearing very good things about that. So it might just be me talking about that by myself. Or maybe I'll see if I can talk Lakeisha to being on the microphone. I'll just tell her about it. That might be an interesting idea. But also, for sure, in two weeks' time, uh, we'll be doing the Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw Um we're going to go see that. Lakeisha is very excited about that. I just, fingers crossed, they haven't put all the good stuff in the trailer because it kind of looks like maybe they did. But anyway, back to some big uh, 
major studio action nonsense, which should be a good time. All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks for uh, giving me uh, and myself a listen on this episode. Uh, you can find our all our episodes are on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, uh, I think is what it's called now, because I guess iTunes is maybe even just going away. I don't know. Um, uh, but you can uh, you know subscribe to us on any of those things. Uh, also, many other apps where you find podcasts, you'll also find us. Uh, subscribe, download, give us a review on any of those platforms. That'd be cool. Uh, shoot us an email. We actually did get an email about Spider-Man Far From Home. Shout out to Katie, who is my cousin-in-law. I think that's how it would maybe be described. Um, her husband and my wife, Lakeisha, her husband, Billy, my wife, Lakeisha, are cousins. So we married into this family, uh, a great family. And, uh, and now we're cousins, too, I guess. Anyway, she emailed us about uh, how she also enjoyed, they also enjoyed Spider-Man Far From Home. It had a cool story regarding the making of the movie. Uh, but I'm going to wait until Lakeisha's back uh, to share that email. But, hey, we get so few emails. If you decide to email the podcast, we'll probably mention you on, on the recording because it doesn't happen often. But, anyway, you can email us, ddkpodcasting at gmail.com if you went and brave this two and a half hour bit of weirdness uh, let me know what you thought i'm certainly interested to meet other people that have seen this movie because i can guarantee you none of my friends are gonna go see it uh but anyway thanks everybody for listening and until next week go see a movie